Welcome to the Metro Church Podcast. We hope you will be blessed by this message. For more information about Metro Church, visit our website at metrochurch.org.au. We have started this month on Grow. Uh, I think that we always, uh, if we understand that God wants to enlarge our world, and we've heard that as being the word of the Lord to us here at Metro for 2019, this year of enlarge, I think we all understand that your world will always enlarge or shrink to the size of you. That if you want your world to get larger and stay larger, you have to grow. I'll never forget watching, uh, actually I've seen three now so far, documentaries on people. One came out of the UK, people that had won multiple millions of pounds in the government lottery that they have in the UK. And they tracked these people over the next 10 years. And all kinds of backgrounds, some people had come from well-off space or from, you know, a good kind of healthy financial place. Other people hadn't. But they discovered one thing was in common to all of them was that not everybody got blessed by winning millions of pounds. I saw another doco a while ago on NBA and NBL and MLB players in America, the three major professional sports. And when they interviewed these people and tracked them, these guys, the starting salary in the NBA is a half a million dollars per annum. That's a half a million if you never step on the court in a game. In other words, that's base salary. How many people now want to be professional basketball players? Uh, yet joined the club. Wrong colour, wrong size, uh, wrong skill set, probably anyway. That may have had something to do with it. But these guys, they tracked them all again. And I think it was something like 75% of them, seven years after they retired, 75% of them were broke or in major debt in their life. And you go, how is that possible? Well, I would say it's because of this truth that for my world to get larger and stay larger, I have to grow. It's not just, listen to me, we can pray, God change my circumstance, but if you're not praying God change me, then your change of circumstance won't make the difference. How many people get married, but their internal emotional world has never grown and the person they think is going to meet every need and be the love of their life and they're going to be happy ever after, they begin to discover it doesn't work like that. They begin to discover because they didn't change. Because marriage, well, next Sunday, come along and I'm going to speak about this. Marriage is not just, I take you like you are now. Marriage is not just, well, you know what? I found you and now my whole life gets better because you're the one. The reality is if you don't grow, your world can never grow larger. You will, your world will always shrink to the size of you. Now, there's lots of things that we all need to grow in. How many people here need more wisdom in your life? That'll be everybody. Nobody here's got it all together. How many of us here go, I need more understanding. There's things that puzzle me. I need more knowledge. But I believe that one of the most important things that a Christian can grow in and ought to grow in is the foundation of our faith, the grace of God. A couple of years ago, matter of fact, it's many years ago now, 
I preached a whole series on grace. Somebody wanted to turn it into a book and maybe I should have let them. Uh, I remember I picked this off the refrigerator at home today because we gave these out when I preached that series. I don't know how long ago, but it's a long time. And it was about grace and it says on this fridge magnet, I expect more than I deserve. I will have more than I've earned. I can have more than what's normal. I receive more than what I've experienced in the past. That's a great definition of grace. Grace is over and above. Grace is more than enough, more than I could earn, more than I could deserve, more than what I uh, qualify for. That's the grace of God. So with that in mind, let's go to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 17 and 18. It says, Let me warn you, therefore, beloved, that knowing these things beforehand, you should be on your guard, lest you be carried away by the error of lawless and wicked persons and fall from your own present firm condition, your own steadfastness of mind. But grow in grace, undeserved favour, spiritual strength, and recognition and knowledge and understanding of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ, the Messiah. To Him be glory, honour, majesty and splendour, both now and to the day of eternity, amen, which means so be it. Grow in grace, grow in this foundational, fundamental thing of what uh, started off your Christian walk. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. Again, these will be verses that if you've been a Christian a while, you've no doubt heard, they'll be familiar to you. Ephesians 2, 4 says, But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His great love, with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, that sins. He made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you've been saved. In other words, this isn't something that was your idea. Religion has been rightly described as man's efforts to discover God. But the gospel, the good news, that's what gospel means. The gospel is not religion and our efforts to get to God. It, on the, it's the complete reverse. It's God saying, I love you so much, I'm going to come and do what you would be unable to do. By grace you've been saved, verse 6, and raised us up together, made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you've been saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. And so there we were, every single one of us, lost and far from God. And His undeserved love and favour reached us. I'm sure I'm not alone in saying Sometimes I ponder back to the moment I gave my life to Christ. I think about how I accidentally turned to the entertainment section of the newspaper and saw an advertisement for a Catholic conference, even though I was not a Catholic. I'd only ever been to a Catholic church once in my life for a funeral. And I had at that time all kinds of spiritual people around my world with many different kinds of religions and books and stuff. And I saw that little ad, wasn't even a big one, wasn't a massive display ad. 
It was a small little print ad. And for no reason that I could explain to you today, I thought I'm going to go to that. It was at the University of Queensland. My wife was studying there at the time. I knew she not only would know how to get there, but she was a real Christian. So I felt like I'd be safe if I went with a real Christian. Her alarm bells were better than mine. And if it was something weird, she'd let me know and we could get out of there. I remember walking in to this uh, seats about a couple of thousand people. I sat in the very back row in the seat closest to the double doors where I made sure they never shut them. Uh, They kind of had that thing like we do, go around and say hello to people. And there were men hugging other men as an expression of love and friendship. And I come from the bush. That's the woods. That's the forest. That's the outback, whatever you want to call it. And I remember going, I, I, I do not hug other men. I, I didn't even hug my father back then. And so I remember this guy came towards me and I just went like that. <laughs> like he would have had to jump to hug me. And I, I think back to those moments. You will have a story, most of you here. And if you haven't, you can start one today. Most of us will have a story. And in the middle of that, we ask ourselves, how did that happen? Why did I say yes? How did God's light break through the darkness that was around my mind? All the confusion, if I told you all the different religions that I had asked for information, you'd be shocked how in the midst of all of that, you know, this idea and that idea and that concept, how in the midst of all of that stuff did I get to the point of saying yes to Christ. And I don't know, but I do remember being there. And I don't remember the speaker. If there was a cogent argument, I don't remember it. I do remember the worship. And I do remember being impacted by that. But I still look back to that day and understand that grace reached out and touched me. It wasn't because I was good, because I wasn't. It wasn't because I knew a lot of the Bible, because I didn't. It wasn't because I was a well-behaved believer, because I definitely wasn't. Ask my wife. And yet in the midst of all of that, God reached down. Though I was lost and far from God, His undeserved love and favour reached me and you most likely. Our sins immediately got forgiven. No kind of like, uh, what would you call like probationary period. Well, I'll forgive you, but as long as you never do it again. God just wiped them all out immediately. I know it sounds ridiculous because humans don't do this. We forgive you, but then we keep one eye open. We keep watching you. We're, we're ready to pounce if you dare step out of line again. But our past got blotted out. God says he cast it into the sea of his forgetfulness where God can't even remember. That's why it's dumb to go and pray, telling God about all your sins. He says, I've already forgotten them. The devil wants to remind you of all your sins. He wants to tell you about everything you did and why you don't qualify. God, that's not the voice of God. He brought us into his family and he reserved our place in heaven. There is a spot in heaven that's got your name written on it. It's your entry pass into eternity with God. It's a remarkable thing. But here's the deal and why I'm speaking about it this morning is that many times lots of us go on 
living like grace was a salvation alone allocation. That grace was something. You know, God looked down and saw you and thought, what a mess, what a wreck, what an individual. Well, they're so lost and they're so mired. I need to save them. And God turned up with a little box, a little box of grace. And he said, here, that's enough for your salvation. And he took that away. And he goes, now I'm saved. I'm a sins forgiven. I'm born again. And it's awesome. But many of us live like God is saying, but that's all there is, so don't waste it. That's all you're going to get. There's no more of that coming your way. And we can act like somehow or other, God's grace to us is just enough for that moment. There you go. Off you go. Don't bother me again. Like someone giving out your pocket money, your parent giving you, you know, your whatever it is amount of money. And don't come back and ask for more. I did that once. I remember got all this money that I'd uh, got from mum and I, I got cranky at something she said. And, uh, you know, I got peeved, so I said to her, I'll show you, I'm going to go and spend all my money. I got on my bicycle, I cycled downtown to the shop and I bought a whole bag of lollies, like a big bag of lollies. I bought all these lollies, I thought that'll show mum. But I've got three brothers and three sisters. And on the way home, I realised what a dumb idea it was because all my brothers and sisters are going, Jeff's got lollies, let's go and grab some. And all of a sudden, my great idea. But you know, when I spent all my money, I couldn't go back to mum and say, sorry, mum, I made a mistake. Can I have more? No, you spent it. And sometimes we act like that's where the grace of God is in our life. Come on, that we've got enough to get saved. I'm here today to tell you. Well, let me read it to you out of 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 17 uh, in the Amplified Version of the Bible. 2 Peter chapter 3. Have I already read that one? I don't want to read that one. What I want to read is John 1 and verse 16 out of the Amplified Bible. I knew it was the Amplified. Listen to this. For out of His fullness or abundance, we have all received. Amen. We've all received. We've all got it. We've all had a share. And some of us think, that's it. I got it. Whatever spiritual gifts God wanted to give me, I got them at salvation and that's it. Use what you have. Don't come and ask for more. All the help I was ever going to get, I used it all up at salvation. He says this, we were all supplied with one grace after another. And spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing. And even favour upon favour and gift heaped upon gift. For while the law was given through Moses, grace, unearned, undeserved favour and spiritual blessing and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace upon grace, blessing upon blessing, favour upon favour and gift upon gift. It's almost like God is saying, here's enough for your salvation, but wait, there's more where that came from. Come on, I'm here to tell you today that there's more grace than you will ever exhaust. 
There's more favour than you can use up in your entire lifetime. There is more blessing available than all the need you'll ever encounter. There's more gifts available to you for all the uh, situations you'll ever find yourself in. It's almost like God is saying, listen, when I open up heaven, I don't open up the corner. I don't open up a cupboard. I don't open up a drawer. I'm opening up the entire storehouse for my kids, for blessing upon blessing, favour upon favour, gift upon gift, and grace upon grace. What do you need today? Are you sitting there as a Christian saying, but God, I've sinned again. God, I've messed up again. God, I've stumbled again. And God speaks to you and says, why don't you come back for more of what got you started? Why don't you come back? Are you in a place right now where you go, Jeff, I don't know. I'm puzzled. I'm in a quandary. I don't know how to move forward. Why don't you come back and say, God, the blessing you gave me when I started, I have relationship and closeness with you. I need some more of that today than what I've already got. There's more where that came from. So let me take the remaining few minutes and talk to you about how do I grow in grace? If grace is more than just simply some kind of like a, an ethereal, you know, some kind of a, you know, woo thing and, and you know, woo, you know, and grace is kind of like God's magic dust that he sprinkles on people and one minute it's there and the next minute it's not, you know, and that kind of stuff. If it's more than that, but if grace is a real power in your life and mine, if grace creates the space where God moves. If grace opens the door to spiritual blessing upon spiritual blessing, favour upon favour and gift upon gift, then how do I open that door up? And what do I got to do so that there's more of that in my life? To me, this is one of the great challenges of Christian leadership is to not let what you know take the place of what God wants to do. Don't let your familiarity with the stuff you know. Come on, we are all ministers. There's no such thing as the ministry. We are all ministers for Christ. But after you've been doing it a while, you can start thinking, I know how to do this. I know how to worship lead. I know how to sing. I know how to play. I know how to, you know, do the stuff up there that all the tech people do. I know how to make coffee. But what if... God wants to inhabit a larger space in your life where His grace is more at work. I'm not talking here about, you know, some kind of like, I don't know, some soppy song that people might want to sing. I'm talking here about a real space where God works with me and where I see the hand of God do stuff. I want to see grace upon grace. I don't want this church to be the sum total of all of the volunteers' efforts. Are you with me here? I want it to be bigger than that. I don't want to hear back stories about how just somebody did the online discipleship and they learned more about the Bible. I want to hear back stories about how somebody did it and revelation came to them and something happened. I had someone, I don't know if they're here this morning, but they spoke to me last Sunday, so excited. They've been in this church for at least, well, I'd say 20 years. But so excited, they said, Jeff, today in the worship, God set me free. 
Now, I don't know how many Sundays they've been here. I don't know how many services they've lifted their hands. I just know that at last Sunday morning, they said in the, and then they started telling me, and I'm not going to say what it was and whatever, but it was something they said had been a part of their life for years and years and years and years and in the service. Now, the worship leader didn't address it. I never got up and spoke about it. It was simply the grace space of God. It was simply God at work doing something beyond what you could deserve, beyond what you've earned. It's not the sum, listen to me, uh, the Christian life is not the sum total of all your prayers. Otherwise, it stopped being grace and now religious works earn it. Listen, even faith can become a religious work if you're not careful. Well, at least your expression of it can. If I just pray hard enough, long enough, strong enough, yell loud enough, God will listen. But the scripture there says it's grace upon grace. Amen. Listen, what God started with grace, he intends to end with grace. No one's going to walk into heaven and say, thank God I deserve this. No one's going to walk into heaven and say, at long last, my just reward. Thank God for all the services I went to and all the notes I made and all the songs I sang and the hands I raised and the offering I put in. This is my reward. Oh, it's not going to be like that. Not in any way, shape or form. I'm challenging you this morning. How do I live a life that creates space for God's grace. Well, if you want to grow in grace, let's go uh, Matthew 18. And you stay with me here because some of you are going to go, well, what's that got to do with it? It's got a lot to do with it. Stay with me. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Seven times? Like Peter is going way out here. He's going like, heck, you know, you offend me three times, I knock your block off. Probably with Peter once. And he's kind of, he, he's going to Jesus going, I've really got your message in my heart. I have really arrived. I am a spiritual giant. Hello. Up to seven times, Jesus said to him, I don't say to you seven times, but 70 times seven. That's 490 times. And it was 490 times in a 24-hour period. And that means let's assume you sleep for eight hours. So 16 into 490 is roughly about once every uh, something. I think it's about once every 30 minutes. Is that right? 16 times. No, it might be once every three minutes. Well, whatever it is, it's a lot. You work it out, you mathematician. Somebody's already sitting there with pen and paper going 16. 490 times in a day, 16 hours, that'd be 30 times an hour. I know 30 times an hour, that's once every two minutes. It's even worse. Can you imagine someone offending you and two minutes later, you've got to reset the clock? How many people right now want to tear that verse out of your Bible? Want to go, surely what Jesus meant in the Greek. What he meant was 70 times seven. And then Jesus tells a story to illustrate, he says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven. He's not talking about one individual and what their experience was. He says, this is the way God's kingdom works. Stay with me. 
Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he'd begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. I looked it up. It's the equivalent of $10 million. This guy's in hock for $10 million. But he was not able to pay. His master, as they did back then, commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment be made. The servant fell down before him saying, Master, have patience with me and I will pay you all. The first thing if you want to grow in grace is you've got to come and ask for it. Simple as it may sound, how many believers live all of their life and don't ask God for that which God wants to give? They'll sit there and go, no, it'll be right. I'll handle it myself. It's okay. I'll come back to you if I really get stuck. And this man gets forgiven $10 million. It's way more than he asked for. What he asked for was time to pay, but grace wiped out the debt. The master didn't say, by the way, sure, here's a payment plan. Let's work it out. What the master did was say, forget it. 10 million, gone, out, finished. What a remarkable experience that is of grace in this man's life. What an incredible blessing. He's experienced grace, but what I want you to have a look at is did the man grow in grace? Because it's one thing, listen, one thing to experience it, it's another thing to grow in it. This guy experiences grace. Verse 28. Uh, says, but that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. A hundred denarii is the equivalent of $20. This man gets forgiven 10 million, finds a guy who owes him 20 bucks. The $20, he laid hands on him, took him by the throat saying, pay me what you owe. The fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him saying, have patience with me and I'll pay you all. But he would not. And he went and threw him into prison until he should pay the 20 bucks. The man experiences grace, but he has no expression of grace. He's received it, but he doesn't grow in it. So let's see what happens to people that receive grace. They experience it, but they don't have an expression of it. Verse 31, when his fellow servants saw what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told their master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, this is the first guy, the 10 million guy, said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Shouldn't you also have had compassion on your fellow servant just like I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. Hold your seats, buckle your seatbelt. So my heavenly Father will also do to each of you if you from your heart don't forgive your brother their trespasses. All of a sudden, I just immediately want to forgive everybody. (laughs) Growing in grace requires an expectation of grace and an expression of grace. 
If you're going to come to the Father and say, God, I need grace. I need your help. I need you to work in my life. Your experience of grace requires an expectation of grace that always, listen, that will lead to an expression of it. If you're a Christian and you have received grace, or else you can't be a Christian. You're a Christian and you've received it. Then God says, if you want to grow in it, come and ask me for more. But I'm watching to see what you do with the grace I've given you. This whole thing got real serious all of a sudden, didn't it? Amen. Why do you think as a church, we spend so much of our time, effort, energy, money, resources, and everything else doing things to help people that are not a part of this church? Because we have received grace. So we want to express grace. Amen. You heard Amanda say, our guests in hope. Because we don't call them clients or them or somewhere or other else. I say this, they're our guests, whether they come in that door or that door. Jesus said, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of these, the least of these, my brethren, Jesus said, you've done it unto me. Growing in grace, look at it again, requires an expectation of grace and an expression of grace. That means my expression of grace affects my ongoing experience of grace. Now, I know for most of you here, this is not even a big deal. You just go, of course, got that. It's just the way it is. Let me finish by giving you one more verse and show it to you in a different light. I've read it a certain way, and it was only this week that I went, wow, it actually doesn't say what I think it says. This is Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. Let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. And I realized my entire Christian life, I've read that thinking about me, that when I've got a need, I go to God for grace for me. And I realized the verse doesn't say it like that. The New King James says that we would find grace to help in time of need, but it doesn't say who's got the need. It doesn't say exclusively, this is about you. Lots of us here in this place are surrounded by need and we want to be a part of the answer. We're wrestling uh, with the ministry of hope saying, how do we become a hand up? And there's a whole lot of stuff that's yet to be unpacked and that over the next uh, seven or eight months, you're going to hear more and more, well, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Why? Because we've gone to the throne of grace, not to find grace for us, but we've gone to the throne of grace to say, God, would you help us help them? Amen. That's way different. You know, maybe you're here today and your marriage is looking like scrambled eggs upside down on the floor. You just go, wow, whatever. And you're there praying, saying, oh, God, give me grace to live with that woman, that man. 
that flatmate. God, give me grace for that horrible university lecturer who's just a complete bozo. Bozo being the Australian word for nincompoop. We've all got something like that in our life. And we come and we ask God for grace for us. Can I suggest to you, what about if you were to go and say, God, can you give me grace to help them? I know, I know I'm a bit radical here. Some of this here. But see, I start with an expectation of grace. But then God looks for my expression of it. And I think that there's going to be lots of opportunities this week for me to put into practice Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 through to 16. There's going to be lots of opportunities to come and say, God, would you give me help so I can help them? God, it's not just about what I need. It's not just about what my issues are. God, I'm coming to ask grace for others. That's what I believe it means to grow in grace. It means I'm saved. I'm going to heaven. If I get hit by whatever, do not pass go. Do not collect $200. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord right there. No purgatory, no waiting room, no sitting out there until your number's called. That's not in the Bible. What's in the Bible is to be absent from the body right there. And I go into the presence of God and I see Jesus sitting at the right hand of the Father. And I got all of that. How awesome is that? What an amazing thing. We'll look back on our checkered path, the stumbles and the missteps we've made. We'll look at all of that and say, God, you wanted to do something extraordinary in my life, something bigger than me. So God, I'm coming to ask you for grace for the others. It's not just about here's enough for your salvation. Here's enough for everything you're going to face. I love the fact that Hebrews there says, we will find grace. Not we might. Not if you're a, you know, been really spiro that week. But we will find grace to help in time of need. Amen. How many people want to grow in grace? And people go, I want to grow in grace. I'm going to find people to show grace to. Amen. I'm going to let those people in when I'm in my car. I'm just going to wave at them with a Christian wave. Not the other one. Christian wave. Heavenly Father, help us this week. We want to grow in grace. And Lord, I know that as we give away grace, more comes back to us. I wonder how that parable, Lord, would have ended if that man had forgiven the guy who owed him 20 bucks. I wonder how the story would have gone back to the master. You know, the guy you forgave, he's going around forgiving everybody. I wonder how that story, instead of being tortured, instead of being, you know, rebuked, he would have been commended for what he did. Father, help us to be believers that are commended in Jesus' name. You can look this way. I believe that salvation is by grace. Absolutely, because the Bible says it is. And anything short of that would mean it was religion and you could earn it. The reality is, this is what Jesus said. He said, behold, I stand at the door. And he said, I knock. He said, if you hear his voice and open the door, Jesus said, I'll come into you and I'll live with you. He never said, I'll come in once you've cleaned it up. He never said, I'll come in after a while. Well, let me watch and make sure that you're going to make it. He said this, I stand at the door and knock. If you open the door, he said, I'll come into you. 
I've still, honestly, after all these years, I am still amazed at the grace of God. I'm still amazed that God's grace is that powerful, that none of us deserved it. You may be here today and you go, Jeff, I don't know if I believe enough. Can I say to you, it never was about can you believe enough. It never was about am I good enough. Never was about, yeah, but you don't understand what I've done. I go, no, it's not about that. He stands at the door. He knocks, says, all you've got to do is open the door. But Lord, my door is so messy and it's got graffiti all over it and it smells in here. God, there's lots of things in here. You, I, I don't think you want to sin. He says, if you open the door, I'll come in. That's remarkable. That's the grace of God. There is no religion on the planet, none of them that in that sense ever compares. You can look at all the sociological issues, but I'm telling you, Christianity stands apart because it's built on the foundation of grace, not on works. Amen. I want to pray with you this morning. If you want to start a walk with God, please put up the slide. This has been such a revelation and such a help. Every single week, I hear somebody else who texted yes and has been profoundly impacted by Christ. Just this week, I was talking to a staff member, telling me about someone else. They texted yes. And now Jesus is at work in their life. Just text yes if you're listening to this on the podcast or watching it on the YouTube channel, 0488-826-392. You can start a walk with God. Don't think, well, what would yes do? Oh, I'd say it would do everything. Jesus said, all you've got to do is say yes. Open the door. He said, I'll come in. I'll start working with you. I'll start changing you. I'll start building a new you. I'll transform your life. I'll forgive your sin immediately. No waiting period. Right away, straight away. God wants to do that for your life. I want to pray. Just bow your head with me a moment. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for everybody that's here and those that are watching on YouTube, those that are listening on the podcast. God, we're not asking them to join our thing. We're telling them about you and what you say you'll do, and we know you've done it thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands and millions of times. You've, you've brought people into a place they can scarcely believe it's possible. Father, I pray for those people in Jesus' name. If you're here listening to me or you're on the podcast or the YouTube channel, I want you to say a prayer just like this, just wherever you are. It's as simple as this. You just say, Lord Jesus, I need you in my life. I'm opening the door. Please come in. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You know, it's as simple as that. It's as simple as starting a walk with God in Jesus' name. You can go and visit at the Connect Hub and some will chat to there, or you can do that, the 0488826392, or you can go to yes.metrochurch.org.au. There's, uh, if, if you forget all that stuff, because I said it so fast, grab one of these slips of paper out there at the Connect Hub, and you can get started on a walk with God. But we want to congratulate you. Can we give those people, whoever they are, just a big hand? Because I know people are doing that. You mightn't be seeing it, but I tell you, there is a God in heaven who definitely sees it. And I think that's one of the things for all of us. We, we're finding out after the fact that people have profoundly encountered Christ and none of us knew anything about it. 
I kind of, part of me actually likes that. I kind of like the fact that it's God at work in their res college or in their unit somewhere or other in their house or in their workplace or in their car, wherever they are. These people are texting yes through and the Holy Spirit is there, not just in a church service. I think that's pretty cool, don't you? Amen. Well, I pray that this week you'll find a way to express the grace of God in your life. We'll grow in grace.